All right, Alexander, let's talk about the situation in France. Uh, has it started? Do we now have an EU country, citizens of an EU member state, finally starting to protest against the living conditions and, uh, and the lockdowns and the sanctions and everything that has happened in the last three years? No surprise that uh, we should have strikes coming out of France. I think if there was one country where some sort of mass protest would begin, it's, it would be France. But uh, what is the situation going on right now in France? And how is Macron handling this? We know how he handled yellow vests. How is he going to, uh, to deal with these strikes? Well, to answer your last question first, he's going to handle this in exactly the same way as he handled the Yellow Vest protests and all the other protests. He's going to deploy the riot police. He's going to take extremely tough measures to try to keep the protests down. And given the enormous institutional power he has and the very great power of the forces that are aligned with him, I think there's a fair chance that he will succeed. But let's take your earlier questions, which are in some ways the more important ones. Is this protest uh, the first rebellion of the people of Europe against the policies that have been followed by the um, EU governments um, over the last year and so, the collapse in living standards that's been taking place? And by the way, I mean, there's been talk about how well the European economy has performed um, in response to the crisis. I've seen figures that say, suggest that living standards have fallen more in the last year than they have at any time since the end of the Second World War, right across the territory of the European Union. That's certainly the case in Britain. And if you're talking about energy use, energy use, there's been a dramatic force, a significant fall in energy use, almost certainly because people can't afford to keep their heating bills going. So is this about that? Well, I would say in part, but let's never forget that there is a proximate cause to these protests, which is that Macron is trying to carry through a pension reform, by which I should mean that he's trying to raise the pension age. That is never popular in any country. If you remember back a couple of years ago, Putin did exactly the same thing after he was re-elected to the presidency in the last election, and that did cause a fall in his popularity. Didn't go down well in Russia. Pension reforms, raising the pension age, are never popular in any country. They're certainly not going to be popular in France. In France, there's always been a tradition of protesting and striking against changes of this kind. And I would say that, on balance, this is more a response to that. In other words, it's a typical French protest against any substantial change to the sort of French welfare system than a deeper protest against the more problematic things that have been talking about the fall in living standards and all of that. Having said that, it's also important to say that it's probably coloured to some extent by this collapse in living standards. It's difficult to know yet how big this protest wave and strike wave is going to be. And as I said, Macron's going to do everything he can to suppress it. But he is not popular in France. He doesn't control 
the National Assembly, the French Parliament. There is much more debate in France about the wisdom or lack of wisdom of the uh, uh, West's Ukraine policy than there is in any other country in Europe. The the, uh, Marine Le Pen's party and Marine Le Pen herself are opposed to this policy on the French, uh, on the left-wing side, Mélenchon, and the left party that he heads are also critical of this policy. So there's a lot of protests about this in France. Macron himself isn't popular in France. The economic crisis in France is real, and it comes on top of the fact that in France there's been economic problems now for many, many years. They've been papered over from time to time by, you know, Increases in government spending, which is what Macron did in the run-up to the presidential elections. He's now reversing, he's now retracting, he's pushing through this pension increase. That's going to add to the unpopularity, that's going to add to the sense of discontent in France. So I don't think, to answer your first question, that this is the first big protest against these policies, but it is affected by these policies, and of course it does have the potential to expand further and to grow into something bigger, and if it does, well, that could challenge Macron's position, but it could also lead to further protests in other countries. And I say that because, of course, we have a big strike wave here in Britain, It's expanding, it's affecting the health system, the railways, the postal service and British workers quite openly, it's openly discussed, they're now looking at what's going on in France and they're making comparisons. It's really interesting with the uh, protests in Britain, you don't really hear much uh, in, in the international media, the collective West uh, media outside of the UK. You don't hear much about the strikes in in Britain. Actually, you don't hear anything about the uh, strikes in Britain. I'm, I'm living here and I'm in Cyprus when I was in Greece. And if you didn't tell me this, I would never have known that there were strikes going on in, in the UK. And even the story in France, even the strikes in France, you know, there, there's talk about it, but you know, it's, it feels like it's just being coded over, just buried away. And it's just not getting much uh, much attention. Well, indeed, in fact, what we're getting is a concerted effort to tell us that everything in the European economy is well, that they sailed through the winter intact, that there's not going to be a recession, that there wasn't a recession in 2022, that there isn't a recession in 2023. As I said, the fall in living standards that's taken place right across the European Union and in Britain tells a completely different story. And um, the fact that, as I said, energy use has fallen significantly also tells you a different story. People are not saving on household bills because they want to, on energy bills because they want to, you know, hit Putin. It's because Energy costs are high, all costs are high, living standards are falling right across the union. So they don't want you to talk about that. They want to, you, they want to change the narrative and switch it to something else. They can talk about France because, well, we're all used to protests in France. Protests in France are 
you know, baked in the cake. It's something that happens every couple of years and it doesn't really mean very much. Protests in Britain, strikes in Britain, a big strike wave in Britain. If you publicise it, that's another, that's another matter, a completely different matter that would lead people to think that there is disaffection. But, of course, you don't want to talk about that very much. But if you are living in Britain, as I am, you are affected by it. Now, you know, Alex, you know about a certain package that I've been waiting for. <laughs> it's taken forever to arrive. It's a package that, you know, we need for our work. Um, the reason it's taken so long is because there are strikes. <laughs> there were strikes in the postal system. It was impossible to send Christmas cards through the postal service um, over Christmas because the postal service, most of the postal service was on strike. Railway strikes are a regular occurrence now. The health service is now experiencing strikes. Ambulance workers in Britain are now at such extreme They've been put in such an extreme position that they are now talking about going on strike. And that is, you know, that's when ambulance workers start going on strike. That is that tells you that things are really bad. These are highly motivated, very conscientious people. I know some. So that tells you what the mood is in Britain and in France. I suspect it's probably about the same, but. French workers are better organised, more inclined to strike. They have an unpopular president. They have an arrogant, out-of-touch president. They don't like his policy with Ukraine. And on top of all of that, he's now experimenting with a pension reform. In other words, raising the pension age, which at the moment the French just have no stomach for. They feel that they're simply paying bills for a war that really most of them oppose. Yeah, but I look at this this pension reform, the, the timing of it for Macron. I think about the the fact that there's not much media coverage outside of the, the UK with regards to strikes. And I just think to myself that, you know, following the lockdowns and the acceptance of, uh, of society of, of what we went through a couple of years ago, that the EU and, and the UK elite this class of, of, of people, these rulers, these leaders, if you want to call them that, they've come to the conclusion that people are just going to accept things, that they can do what they want and there will just be a general acceptance of, of, of whatever we give people. If, if it means higher prices, yeah, people will complain a little bit. People will, maybe some people will go, up out, will go out onto the streets, but... At the end of the day, they're just going to accept the higher price. If, if the electricity costs are higher, people will accept it. If their businesses have to shut down because those costs are higher, people will accept it. If, if they don't have to take a hot shower, people will accept it. Uh, if we have to uh, increase the pension age, people may strike for a couple of days. Maybe they'll go out on the streets. But eventually, the French people will accept it. And I think that's just the general consensus of the of the ruling elite is that they can do whatever they want without having to worry, and this is the key for France, without having to worry about any type of political capital being lost. I mean, Macron obviously doesn't worry about his standing or his position or political capital. When there's an election, when the election comes up, they'll do what they need to do to make sure 
he, uh, he wins it again. But as he's in office, he doesn't have to worry about ruling over the French people and, and thinking about, well, if I make this unpopular decision at this moment in time, while I'm sending billions of billions to Ukraine, I don't have to worry about that because I don't really care if the people approve of me or not. They really don't care about approval ratings. It doesn't affect them. And they have this arrogance where they believe, and maybe rightly so, that whatever they do, the society, the citizens, are just, at the end of the day, they're just going to come to terms with it, and they're going to move on. Yes. You know, you've touched on a very interesting and important point, because first of all, why has Macron decided that this is the time to launch a big pension reform? Is it because he is absolutely confident that he can pull it through and that he wants to impress his smart friends in the uh, neoliberal globalist world that he's able to ram through pension reforms like this kind at this particular time when living standards, as I said, are hard-pressed. Is it that why he's doing it? Is it because the French financial and budget situation is much more stressed than he wants to admit and than the media want to admit. Bear in mind that the French are claiming that their inflation rates overall have been lower than in the rest of Europe. By the way, I'm getting lots of people in France who are telling me that that simply isn't so, that it's nonsense, that France has been as affected by the inflation as everywhere else and you shouldn't believe the numbers that Macron's government is coming up with. I mean, I, I'm not going to go there, I don't know. Or is it that this is a demonstration of power, that it's a way of Macron and the French elite telling French workers, telling French society, look, we are completely in control, we can do whatever we want. If you don't like it, well, you're just going to have to lump it because we're going to force it through and any attempt to protest against it is going to be smashed. Now, I actually think it's the last, and I'm going to say why, because on the one hand, I think you're absolutely right. These people are not really interested in popularity. They're interested in control. And I think they believe that they do have control, and I think that they don't think that they're going to lose that control anytime soon. But at the same time, there is a strangely hysterical atmosphere um, and a doubling down on authoritarian tools. So we had the Prime Minister of Spain, Mr Sanchez, coming up with the most bizarre and really scary speech in which he was saying that, you know, we must hunt down all of Putin's followers in the West. They're all a sort of poison that we must uproot. Really, really horrible thing and he, of course he didn't say who he meant but it it seemed to be you know looking for enemies within European society so you have that kind of rhetoric and I can't speak for all of Europe but in Britain the strike wave is provoking a whole series of extremely authoritarian measures from the British government so for example they are now talking about a new law on administering protests, and that law, um, it's been 
framed as, you know, controlling protests to prevent violence and, uh, you know, discomfort to people, which effectively gives the government to outlaw protests in a way that has never been possible up to now in Britain. But that's, if you read the law, it's so vague that it clearly points in the direction of outlawing protests. And, of course, the British government is also coming up with all kinds of new laws, basically to outlaw strikes in all kinds of sectors of British economy and British society. And from what I can see, the Labour opposition, supposedly the opposition that supports the working class, well, we don't believe that anymore, but they seem to be going along with it, as far as I can tell. I mean, their um, opposition is very tame. So you have this strange paradox. On the one hand, they are in control. They want to show us that they're in control. They're prepared to do in-your-face measures like a pension reform to show to people that they are in control. And at the same time, there is beneath it all a nervousness um, the kind of comments that Sanchez made in Spain, the new, the new laws, the new controls that are coming in Britain. And, of course, when it comes to authoritarian responses, well, we know that Macron is an absolute master at that, and that's no doubt what we're going to see. Yeah, I don't think it's a paradox at, at all. I mean, it's a paradox, but I don't think it's that uncommon because... I look at it like this. It's it's basic human psychology in that if, like, I know people who have come to, to find money very quickly. Maybe maybe they worked hard, but they didn't really put in a lot of, of years and time to make that money. But somehow they got a lot of money in life. Life was lucky for them. And they ended up with a lot of money. And it's always interesting to see how they operate. On the one hand, they have the money and they say, you know, this is my FU money. I can do whatever I want to whomever I want now, whenever I want. I've, I've got the money. I've, I've, I'm free to do whatever I want. And, and I'm the man, you know, I've got all this cash now. And, and they have this sense to them that they are in complete control. They've, they've got the power now. But on the flip side, when you watch them in, in, in everyday life, they're so paranoid about losing that money that they'll do anything and everything they can to make sure that they don't lose that money. And, and it's, it's weird to see it. You know, it's, you, you've got all this, this money. You look at them, you say, you've got all this money. What are you worried about? And they're like, yeah, I've got all this money. I'm not worried about anything. And then they, and then they have this, this mentality of, I need to do everything I can to make sure I don't lose any of my money. They, they hold on to it for dear life. And, and they do crazy things, like crazy, hysterical things to make sure they hold on to that money. Your thoughts there. And just one final point, uh, going back to Putin. I remember when we covered the story about uh, the pension uh, reforms in Russia. It's, I think it's important to note that Putin's approval rating was sky high. And he made a very logical, political, a political decision where he said, I've got the political capital to spend. I can afford to go from an 80 percent approval rating and go down to a 70 percent in order to pass these pension reforms. In other words, I've got the political capital to take the hit because I'm just that popular. That's, that's a very rational, normal decision that politicians, you would expect a, a politician to make if they're that popular. They can say, okay, I've, I've got capital to spend now 
and I can afford a hit in my approval rating. So I'm going to pass some unpopular but necessary laws or laws that he feels are necessary. No, I think you've described the attitude, the personalities of the European elite absolutely correctly. And they are people who've come into uh, great wealth, great power. They like to assert themselves. They like to show everybody how strong and powerful and tough and uh, how they won't take any opposition. At the same time, deep down, they're incredibly nervous and afraid that they will lose it. And, of course, that makes them even tougher, even more repressive, even more oppressive towards others and more angry towards anybody who challenges them. And, you know, we're going to see more and more of that. It's going to get worse and worse. It's going to intensify all the time. At one level, they can't ever quite bring themselves to believe that they're going to lose control and that they always think that they're going to pull it, pull it off. After all, they have done successfully up to now. At the same time, they are aware, deep down, that more and more of the people of Europe are coming to resent and despise them. So you, we're going to see this tension intensify all of the time. I don't think, as I said, that the French system is going to collapse in the face of these strikes. I think Macron is going to get his way over these pension reforms. I think it's going to make French society even more resentful and even more angry. And sooner or later, it will break, but perhaps not immediately. But I think you're absolutely right. I think that, that is, you've described the mentality, the outlook of these people very, very well. And we're going to see how at one and the same time, they're going to be testing the boundaries, pushing the boundaries all the time. At, and at the same time, coming up with all this endlessly repressive machinery, which is going to intensify crackdowns on uh, free speech, crackdowns on protests, uh, uh, reductions in legal rights, civil rights, things that we used to take for granted in Europe, they're going to be steadily eroded away because despite all the bluster, despite all the assertive actions, these people deep down feel pretty insecure and indeed increasingly so. So, you know, we're going to be in for a rough ride and... By the way, the Ukrainian crisis is acting as a catalyst. It's accelerating all of these events very fast. It's going to make it more difficult to hold the whole thing together. And at the same time, it's going to make these people who run things even more assertive in order to show us that they are in control uh, uh, um, than they have been up to now. So we're going to see and even more extreme politics beginning to assert themselves. And this uh, protest, these strikes in France, and Macron's decision to go for this pension reform now, uh, which is, um, you know, it, it is an indicator of this. And by the way, I mean, what you said about Putin and Macron, you're absolutely right. I mean, Putin was aware that the pension system in Russia, well, there was a, a strong argument for its reform. As you correctly said, he had massive political capital built up over the many years that he'd become 
been Russia's leader and the fact that he led Russia successfully and was popular and had an enormous amount of popularity and he could do it and he could do something difficult and unpopular because he believed that that would be in the long-term interests of the country and he was prepared to expend his mass, part of his massive political capital to do that. But of course with Macron it's entirely different. He's not popular. He's not uh, uh, you know, supported in anything like the kind of way. In fact, you know, a couple of years ago I was in France, not very long ago, and I was surprised at how extremely unpopular, how generally disliked Macron is. Even people who vote for him don't like him. They might vote for him for all kinds of reasons, but they don't like him. The reason he's doing this is because, again, he wants to show how strong he is, how powerful he is, how the establishment that he runs is powerful too, how much in control it is. And, of course, if that provokes protests, well, he's going to use the enormous machinery of the French state, the riot police, the bureaucracy, the control of the banking system, all the tricks that we saw being used in Canada about a year ago. He's going to do all of that in order to, again, show to his own people, that if you dare come up against me, I will come down on you. And we see the same in Britain. And we're going to see that in more and more countries. Sanchez's frank, frightening comments suggest that something similar is coming in Spain too. All right, we will end it there, thedurant.locals.com. Look for us on Rockfin as well. And go to the Durant shop, 10% off. Use the code GOODDAY. Take care.